Welcome to Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. At booksandnachos.com, you can find over 100 reviews, from fiction to nonfiction, graphic novels, and more. There's also links to our Facebook and Twitter pages, and information about our Podbean crowdfunding campaign. At booksandnachos.com, we're here to find you something great to read. Welcome, listeners. There's big trouble with books and nachos as we once again escape from New York. This is your host, Jake the Snake. And I'm Jason. And Jason, here we are with perhaps the most unusual thing we'll be reviewing for this series. Big Trouble in Little China slash Escape from New York. The Kurt Russell, John Carpenter crossover of Jack Burton and Snake Plissken. And I guess just to start things off, for listeners that donated for our summer of 1986 series, you could hear my thoughts on Big Trouble in Little China. Not the biggest fan. It's a lower tier carpenter for me. But Jason, where do you stand with Big Trouble in Little China? I'm a fan of the movie and I kind of came in later in life. It took me about 20 years after the film came out to watch it. I kind of shrugged when I first saw it, but then I started watching with my daughter. She's seven and she loves it. She loves the movie. She loves the song from the end credits. I bought her Funko Reaction, Big Trouble in Little China action figures. (laughs) Now she uses her toys. She makes her own little sequels to the movies that she records on an iPad. It's adorable. I want to see them probably better than those comics we had to read for Escape from New York. She made two sequels. One is called Big Trouble in Little China 2, The Rise of Lopan. And I forget what Big Trouble in Little China 3 was called. Does she have a sequel called Little Trouble in Big China? No, but that's actually a great idea. That feels like an obvious place to go. (laughs) So I know they did a bunch of comics. I think they were just starting to come out when we did that review for Now Playing. And so I think I read the first issue just to kind of get the idea. And I know there's that like Bigfoot Yeti character monster thing in the movie. And I know in that first issue, it's like Jack Burton becoming friends with that monster and going on some adventure. But I never read more than that again, because I'm cooler on that property. It's not one I wanted to really explore. But did you read any of those comics? I read a couple of them and they weren't in consecutive order, but I did buy the Legacy Edition. So there's six volumes of the Big Trouble in Little China series, 25 issues. So sold better than Escape from New York, I'm guessing, because that only got 16 issues. You're right. And they collected those 25 into two Legacy Editions, and I bought them both to give to my daughter, and I haven't given them to her yet. So I hope she's not listening to this. But there is a third Legacy Edition that's based on the sequel series Old Man Jack. That is the official sequel to Big Trouble in Little China, and it's written by Carpenter. They did an Old Man Jack series after the main series, and I don't have that series. I haven't read that one yet. But from what I've read, the books are fun. The one criticism that I have of Big Trouble in Little China, the film, is the way that it's shot and edited. The timing of the comedy is never right. Comedy is all about timing, and the timing is off with Big Trouble in Little China, the film. But in the books, they embrace the humor, and I feel like, for the most part, they pull it off. Before we get in the book, I do think, like, again, I'm cool on Big Trouble in Little China. It's an okay movie. I think I gave it a weak recommend. It's not one I ever go back to unless I have to watch it for things like Now Playing. But there is this tradition in comics to do these weird mashups. Like, one of my favorites... 
Punisher meets Archie. Yes, Archie, that Archie that you're thinking of. That's a crazy comic where they teamed up the Punisher going into Archie's world to find a criminal. That juxtaposition between that feel-good teen comics and, and the gritty, violent Punisher comics is a lot of fun. There's been things like Batman and Elmer Fudd. Like DC a few years ago, I don't know if you know about this. DC's decided to have all their superheroes cross over with Looney Tunes characters because those are owned by Warner Brothers who also own DC. So you had like Catwoman, I think, teaming up with Sylvester, the putty cat, as Tweety calls him. But the Batman and Elmer Fudd one like is legitimately great. Like Elmer Fudd is this paranoid gun rights activist hunter guy trying to hunt down Batman. It's legitimately like a great comic. Also, I think in the 90s, you had Godzilla versus Charles Barkley where they played basketball. Those were Nike commercials, right? No, there was comics too put out by Marvel. Oh, dear Lord. It was a Marvel series. I think it got like six issues or something. Like, yes, it started as a commercial. But again, in comics, because there's not these budgets where, you know, you got to figure out all these special effects. You can do crazy stuff like this. So it is kind of a comics tradition that I enjoy is like, let's take two really different characters from totally different universes that would never cross over and let's do this. And I think even though Kurt Russell plays both Jack Burton and Snake Plissken, they are very different universes, very different characters, different vibes. Again, Big Trouble in Little China, it should feel more comedic. I agree. It doesn't feel as comedic as that movie wants to be, but that's a more comedic, a lighter universe full of magic and kung fu. And then Snake is like the gritty, war-torn universe. And so, yeah, I could see why you'd want these two characters to cross over. Are you open to this idea? Are you like already like worried like where this is going to go? The Big Trouble in Little China boom comics to me, they had a feeling of the Army of Darkness series that Dynamite Entertainment did. Those are just bonkers storylines, a lot of supernatural hijinks, a lot of comedy. When it comes to mashups, we're rarely asked to take mashups like this seriously. I mean, you mentioned Batman and Elmer Fudd and when you get into it, you're just looking for a good time. You're more likely to have a good time. It's not a crazy idea. It can be a lot of fun for a few issues. If you do too much of this stuff, the boat starts to take on water. I don't know. Have you ever read Freddy versus Jason versus Ash? I might have. That sounds very familiar. So they did a couple of volumes of that. And I had a bigger problem with the second one. It's called Freddy versus Jason versus Ash Volume 2, The Nightmare Warriors. And this is where they start to bring in a lot more characters. They're pulling in supporting characters from all three franchises. It's just a little too much. It's like a John Carpenter film. Too many characters. So sticking to Big Trouble and Escape from New York, and especially we need to point out, Big Trouble is above Escape from New York here. This is a Jack Burton adventure. Yeah, we could discuss it, but I definitely think this is more of a Big Trouble story than a Snake Plissken story. Keeping it just to those two characters works for me. There's no need to bring in McCready from The Thing or Kurt Russell's Elvis. You don't want Elvis? <laughs> no. <laughs> You mentioned Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. I definitely thought of Freddy versus Jason. Like, you want that face-off. You want that team-up. And look, that was the first Freddy or Jason movie I ever saw. I'd never seen any of those movies, but yeah, I want to see these two horror icons fight. So I actually paid to go see that in theaters, even though I knew nothing of their backstories at that point in time. That was your first? Wow. It was. I might have seen Jason X first. I watched that around the same time. But yes, either Freddy versus Jason or Jason X were my first Jason and Freddy movies. Well, they're both comedies. Yes, which is why I probably watched them. There's a little more horror in Freddy vs. Jason, but Jason X is, that's a comedy. Yeah, and I think, again, my expectation is to have a more comedic take. I agree. Make me laugh. The escape books that we just read, we just went through the four volumes from Boom Studios. They're completely devoid of humor. Even when they try with Mima and the twins, they failed. So just make me laugh. Give me some artwork that's easy to follow on a page. 
and this is still Boom Studios, totally different team. And I want to talk about this team because right off the bat, before I crack this open, I, okay, who wrote this? Oh, Greg Pak? Okay, I am now optimistic. I think Greg Pak's a pretty well-known writer. Like, I don't think he's A-tier, but definitely B-tier. A lot of Marvel stuff, but he's done DC, he's done other stuff, but... For me, when it comes to Marvel, when did I start reading Hulk comics? With Planet Hulk, when Hulk gets shot to a gladiator planet and has to be a gladiator and takes over. Sound kind of like Thor Ragnarok? Well, that's what they took that storyline from, is Planet Hulk, and then you had World War Hulk, where Hulk gets back to Earth and wants revenge on everyone that shot him into space. And then you had the incredible Hercules. Yes, Hercules exists in the Marvel Universe, the Greek god. And as the Hulk went away, Hercules took over that title. And you got this character, Amadeus Cho, who's a super smart Asian teenage kid. And he teams up with this Greek god. I, Amadeus Cho, Greg Pak would write him, I think, as the totally awesome Hulk. Like, he becomes the Hulk eventually. But he's done other things than the Hulk. But that's primarily what I know him from. But I saw Greg Pak, and I immediately felt more optimistic. I don't have as much experience with him as you do, but I have read a few of those whole comic books and I looked at his bibliography and he had a hand in some of the Dark Reign comics and Dark Reign was a series in the late 2000s it's the one where Norman Osborn takes over after Secret Invasion I loved the whole run of Dark Reign I have all those books yeah so immediately that's a good sign I look at the artist Daniel Bayless didn't know who he was looked him up he hasn't done a whole lot again I talked about that last artist from Croatia with the Escape from Cleveland and Escape to New York series line this is an artist who lives in Mexico South America there are a lot of comics where they have these artists from Central or South America and they're really good and Bayless, I haven't seen his art before, but I want to talk about it for a second before we get into the story, because I really enjoyed his art. I think he does a pretty good likeness of Jack Burton and Snake, but I thought he really excelled when he just got to create new characters. I don't know if you're familiar with the artist Paul Pope, who is a genius, like went to Japan and studied under these great Magna anime artists and kind of brought this Western influence to it. Like Bayless isn't quite on that level, but he's got a lot of like kinetic motion with his characters. And I just love the inking. I love the way his character designs these vehicles are moving throughout just everything feels like it's emotion with his art yeah isn't it great when you can actually see what's going on <laughs> yes it, it makes a world of difference and i would even want to credit I apologize if i get these names wrong triona Farrell, who is the colorist i think this comic looks great it's got such a neon glow to it bright vivid colors that maybe wouldn't totally work in a dark gritty Snake Plissken universe, but I don't know. This whole comic pops, and even the letterist, Simon Boland, like, there's a lot of sound effects in this comics where I'm guessing he's the one who picked the fonts or whatever. I don't think they're hand-drawn letters anymore. No one does that. But everything from writing to art to colors to lettering looks good here. It's really a pleasure to look at after what we've been looking at for the last four episodes. They have two Kurt Russells, but they're drawn slightly exaggerated versions of themselves. Yeah, Jack Burton, it seems like he has a bigger square jaw and these huge broad shoulders and then Snake, you know, he's got the long hair, the iPad, all those traditional looks, but he's not barrel chested, I guess, like Jack Burton is drawn. Right. Snake's five o'clock shadow is a little bit darker than Jack's. It's not an exact likeness of Kurt Russell, but you can tell there's Kurt Russell under both of these guys. And the little differences that they make separates the characters. So you could say, okay, that guy's definitely not just the same twin as that guy. Oh, yeah. And there's also something called acting in comic books. You don't think of acting like in the traditional way, like in a movie, but acting refers to how does the artist, how do they express emotion with facial gestures, with body language? And again, I look at the way Jack looks, just the facial expressions he makes 
very different than Snake. I think it'd be easy to get caught in this trap. Oh, they're the same actor. If one looks mad this way, I'll draw the other one with that same scowl. But no, I never feel like this is the same actor doing two different roles, except they kind of look like each other. The acting, the way body language and facial expressions are done are unique to their character traits. And here's the crazy thing. As we get into this story, it may be just as frivolous as a lot of those things that we talked about in the previous Escape series, but because it flows better, the pacing's right, we're going to go from action set piece to action set piece, and maybe none of it really matters by the end, but man, it's a lot of fun going through all this. It starts off with Jack Burton. I guess he had just killed David Lopan, David Lopan's ghost. That's the villain, the sorcerer who's trying to become like a real big baddie in Big Trouble in Little China. He's kind of hanging out in the cab, bemoaning the fact that Jack Burton killed him, that he doesn't get all this power. Jack Burton and that Porkchop Express, the name of his big rig. Again, if watch Big Trouble in Little China if you're going to read this because, yeah, it's a lot of nods there. But he's listening to a blues artist, Blind Apple Mary. She's going to become important. But David Lopan, he wants revenge when a big magic portal opens up that the pork shop express drives through because Bobby Lou who is also Wang Chi from Big Trouble in Little China. He is in the Snake Plissken universe as one of the last federal guards of the Southwest. He found magic items in a federal reserve vault. He wants to save Blind Apple Mary from a cultural bunker in Cleveland. Apparently the government like locks up important people, musicians, artists, I don't know, maybe Shepard Fairey is locked up in a cultural bunker for his groundbreaking graffiti art. I don't know, but this blues artist is in a vault that Bobby wants to save. And so he uses a magic scroll to call for Snake to help him save this blues artist and you get Jack Burton instead. So you just described this plot. Everything you said was just completely bonkers. Yes. (laughs) And we're not even into the crazy part yet. Right, but we just went through four Escape from New York graphic novels complaining about the plot because the plot didn't make any sense. But because we know we're going into this and it's supposed to be silly, you know, every bizarre twist that it takes, Jacob, none of it bothers me. I'm just like, okay, that guy looks like Wang Chi. Sure, why not? We're going to go to a vault in Cleveland and they've got a bunch of magical artifacts locked up in the secret vault of supernatural research. Sure, why not? I'm loving this. Yeah, I did think for a second, oh, is this an alternate take on Escape from Cleveland? But there's no Carjack Malone. There's no Texas Mike. I guess the joke is we'll just throw it in Cleveland as a nod. And surrounding this bunker in Cleveland are this gang called the Marauders. Was this a gang from New York? No, it's not from the Escape from New York novelization. But it's kind of like the Dreadnoughts from G.I. Joe. It's definitely Mad Max. Which I'm not complaining. You go back and listen to that series I'm now playing. I love all those Mad Max films. I love the aesthetics. So the fact that we're basically just going to have Mad Max people on motorcycles and cars driving around. Like, that's not a complaint. It's definitely Mad Max. Snake Plissken exists in this universe. And Bobby Lou, who is also Wang Chi, is trying to suck in Snake Plissken, but ends up sucking in Jack Burton from 1987. Yeah, there is something about how his like Latin is not that great, so he might have messed up the words. And I think that's the reason Jack shows up instead of Snake. That's an Army of Darkness callback. That's Klaatu, Narada, Nictu right there. <laughs> But whatever, I'm going with it. It should be clarified. I think we're already in the Snake Plissken universe. It's just, yeah, because he messed up the spell, it called in this alternate version of Snake instead of the real Snake who's sitting in a bar and having to fight his way out because on the news, he's been described as the one who has fought these marauders when it was really Jack Burton when he came through the portal. It might be pointless for you and I to try and go through all these little plot elements. 
<laughs> no, no. I, I just want to get through like setting up the plot because look, there are crazier developments. Like, okay, so forget it. So Snake is just there. They're going to meet up eventually. And the big twist is Bobby did not call Snake to save Blind Apple Mary. That was all a ruse. It's that his wife is also a federal guard and she's trapped in that bunker as well with all the marauders. And so that's who he really wants to save. And guess what? There's other people we know in that bunker. Yeah. Hello. Welcome back, Hauk. He's not mutilated. No, he just looks like Lee Van Cleef with long hair. Well, they must have gotten the rights to do him again there. (laughs) So one of the things as all this fighting is going on, of course, Snake is going to use his guns. But the big joke that they use for comedic effect, and I think they do it pretty well, is that Jack has a magical power. Is he like Longshot? You know that X-Men Longshot whose mutant power is luck? Like Jack Burton's magical power is luck. Like he'll trip and just fall onto a bad guy and defeat him. That feels in character to Jack Burton. I don't remember that getting called out specifically like, he just had a lot of great luck in Big Trouble in Little China. If you think of Big Trouble in Little China, the movie, it is just luck that Jack Burton gets out of any of this. It works. I'm cool with it. I never had a real problem with long shot, I guess. I don't know. We don't, we don't have to get into long shot. It just seems goofy that, yeah, your, your mutant power is luck. But because it's magic here, I'm willing to go for it. And we get a whole lot more magic. Hauk is it once again the bad guy. He's going to betray him. Blind Apple Mary, she becomes important. It's not just a joke like it would have been in those previous volumes. Like she actually is a major character. And there's the whole myth of, oh, I can't remember the name of this blues guitar player, but like one of the early blues guitar player, like there is the legend at the crossroads where he sold his soul to the devil to become the greatest blues guitarist ever. And that's basically what they do with Blind Apple Mary. She had an interaction with the devil and got a magic guitar. And how wants this magic guitar to weaponize have you ever seen the movie crossroads not the britney spears movie no it's like from 1986 and i've never seen it but i know of it something about ralph macchio doing a guitar contest against the devil or something there's the devil went down to georgia by charlie daniels yeah where a guy gets in a fiddle contest with the devil and beats him i think there is a tradition this folk tradition in america again if you've seen oh brother where art thou they make reference to that blues guitarist who sold his soul to the devil to become the greatest guitarist they meet him and record their single with him at the radio station so this is going back in american folklore But the craziest thing, and like this is where I am all in. So all this crazy stuff is going on. All this magic is going on. It looks good. It's a fun read. But then David Lopan gets his hands on that scroll that Bobby used and really kicks off. I I don't want to say there is a plot to this story. This feels... Do you know what a shaggy dog story is? Sure do. For those who don't, it's just a series of stuff that goes on and there's ultimately not a big point to it. Like a lot of road trip movies feel like shaggy dog stories. We're just going to go from town to town and there's some little adventure and eventually we get to our destination. Like I think that applies here. This is not high art where it's trying to make a really strong point. It just wants to be a fun magical comic. So the fact that David Lopan gets that magical scroll and what does he do? He calls on all the snakes from all the alternate realities to this world to defeat Jack Burton and I guess Snake Plissken as well. This is the part where the book kicks into a higher gear for me. All of these snakes come walking through. You're going to get wolves with eye patches and machine guns strapped to their backs. You're going to get girl snake. You're going to get little person snake, obese snake, a cyborg terminator snake. You're going to get a snake that's wearing an eye patch. 
there's like a James Bondish snake. He's like wearing a suit. Yes, that's right. The clean cut James Bond snake. There's an old Western kind of a snake with, you know, the long coat and he's got a beard and a hat. I just love all of these snakes. This is so cool. I love it. My feeling is like you probably respect Escape from New York more than L.A. and I'm more of an L.A. fan. So I'm willing to go with magic. I said if those twins and Escape from Florida were mutants with psychic powers, I would have been cool with that. Like, do you think if someone like, oh, I hate Escape from L.A., they're going to jive with this? Are they going to be able? I would hope they'd be able to have fun. But what do you think? If they like Escape from L.A., they really shouldn't have problem. Nope, I don't have a problem at all. (laughs) And I'm a fan of that. This is silly camp. If they wanted something darker, they should just read the movie novelization. I wouldn't recommend those comics. But look, it's called Big Trouble in Little China slash Escape from New York. I'm perfectly fine making Snake the sidekick. And you know what? Why not take this character who's so serious, I mean, to a depressing point if you read those comics, and just put him in a fun adventure. He gets to play the straight man here, and Jack Burton gets to play the funny guy, and this is funny. Let me just read one of my favorite parts. There's a scene where Jack Burton has to pretend to be Snake Plissken. Oh, this is great. He has to put on Snake Plissken's uniform, put on the eye patch, and he's got to convince the other snakes that he's Snake. He's talking to Lady Snake. Oh, that's what I called the female Snake Plissken. It sounds like a G.I. Joe character. Lady Snake. Lady Snake. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she is kind of the Baroness. He's talking to Lady Snake and a couple other snakes, and he's trying to convince him that he's the real snake. Okay? But he slips, and he says that he's a trucker. And then Lady Snake is like, wait a second, in your world, you're Snake Plissken and you're a trucker? And he's got a cover and he's like, "Uh, yeah, well, I'm a murder trucker. I truck around and I murder people. Lots of them. Seriously. It's crazy. All the murders. (laughs) Yes. I mean, this is funny. Yeah, no, again, the writing, it's able to differentiate the snakes. The drawing, the acting, as I call it. Like, even when Jack is dressing up as Snake, we know that Jack is still coming through. And that's the fun. A lazier writer, I don't think they would have taken this kind of time to, you know, make sure these characters still shine through even when they're in disguise. Especially when it's the same actor in the movies playing the different characters. It could be very easy just to kind of write them the same way. But again, Greg Pak, I think he watched those films. He noticed they were different characters. He wrote them that way. He kept that humor. Again, you read Incredible Hercules, a very funny comic. That's why I read that whole run. It's one of my favorite runs of comics there is because it's so funny, but you still get all that great action. You praise Pack in his writing. That's great. Bayless does an excellent job with his art here. Something that if you're paying attention, you'll notice. They draw all these different Snake Pliskins from all these universes, but there are subtle facial expressions in the Snake Pliskin character. And it's like this kind of sneer or this way that he raises the lip a little bit and Bayless repeats that with all of these different snakes so you can kind of see it subtly and all the little snakes lady snake has it even the wolves when they're snarling have it but when Jack Burton puts on that eye patch and pretends to be snake he's still smiling yeah there's nothing about him that changes I think this is fantastic so much fun to look at and you know one thing we talked about in a previous episode were splash pages and just having these big moments where it, the action is so big or this moment is so important you got to use a whole page or two whole pages to show it and you're gonna get multiple at least single page splash pages throughout this story blind apple mary when her guitar gets taken and gets turned into a giant magic tank that's gonna be a whole page because you got to see this crazy weapon that they built with this magical guitar like here's the thing this story is six issues all the previous volumes were only four but i felt like i was able to get through this one quicker just because it flowed better it was easier to understand i wasn't stopping and going back to previous pages to figure out like what is this art telling me or oh where was that line about the cleveland river that starts on fire that was an issue one and now they're going back 
to that in issue four. Like, even though this is a longer story and maybe that gives it more room to breathe or whatnot, but again, this is a Shaggy Dog story, so it's just a series of wacky adventures for the most part, but it just flows better. It's just a more enjoyable read overall. You took the words right out of my mouth there. It's an easy read. I didn't rush through it. I was really taking my time. I was really paying attention to the details because I could actually see them. Even when they bring back the Donald Pleasant's president. Oh, that's right. He shows up again. He doesn't look exactly like Donald Pleasance. No, but I could tell it was him. And I don't want to get into all the details of this plot. Like, I think we've set up what the main premise is, is Jack Burton and Snake Plissken versus the multiverse of snakes, which is a whole lot of fun. And again, you got Hawk with this giant tank powered by Blind Apple Mary's magic guitar with, who is this United States police force? He's like first chair guitar player, which I've never heard of a first chair guitar. That's usually violin or flute, but he plays in the United States police force band or something? Sergeant Clarence O'Reilly. He's got like a mohawk and body armor. You know, it reminds me a lot of the guy with the guitar in Fury Road. Doof Warrior? Yes, I want more Doof in my comics. But I do like the end punchline is, because Snake does not like Jack. I don't think Snake likes anyone that's going to smile and be happy, but the end punchline is great. Like, you go back to this universe where everyone is Jack Burton, some version of Jack Burton. Yeah, it looks like Disneyland. There is a dinosaur. Yes! There's a monkey. They all have Jack's tank top. It's just this splash page full of Jack Burtons all over the place. And what I love going back to the acting and the writing of this is when you get all these snakes, they're all grimacing and their eye patches and they're ready to fight. When you go to the Jack Burton world, they're all happy-go-lucky saying hi, like everyone's super excited to see Jack and Snake. So I I think our listeners could tell from how we've been talking about this story, but Jason, do you recommend Big Trouble in Little China slash Escape from New York? The answer is yes. The short answer is yes. If you're a fan of Big Trouble, you would really enjoy it. With Escape from New York, I was expecting an action story with political, social commentary. Those elements are present in the movies. I wasn't satisfied with what we got in the books. I don't have the same expectations going into this Big Trouble Escape from New York mashup. I know the Big Trouble movie is all always intended to be a silly adventure. That's what you get here. Recreated that feeling right here in the books. But they also managed to inject Snake Plissken with a little bit of humor. And it works. This one really rewards you for turning the page. It's a great chapter in the Big Trouble universe, which you're never supposed to take seriously. And it's a great story for Snake Plissken to get wrapped up in, because that guy takes himself way too seriously. So it is a big recommend over here. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to talk about wacky team-ups. Punisher and Archie, Godzilla and Charles Barkley, because they're also is like Batman and the Punisher, they team up. Or do you remember the Amalgam universe that came out of Marvel versus DC? Wow, I do remember that. Where you get Dark Claw with Batman combined with Wolverine. Like that's one thing when you take these odd couples though, that is a very different thing. And I think there's a potential danger of alienating one of those groups. And I do think this one does heavily lean towards Big Trouble in Little China. And that is the surprise that I enjoy this so much because that is a movie that doesn't quite work for me. I wish it was more comedic than it was. I like Kurt Russell a lot in that movie. It's just there's something missing from the formula. But I think that formula is done right here. Like if Snake didn't show up, I think I still could have had a lot of fun with all this crazy magic going on and just the way this comic looks. But yeah, doing the odd couple thing is always fun to take this gritty character and put him in the situation that really doesn't jive with him. I feel like Jack Burton, any weird scenario, he's going to have a good adventure in. But Snake, you might be a little bit worried if you're putting him in this lighter adventure, but I think it works because the writing and the art differentiates the characters and you get who these characters are. 
and it's just that classic odd couple formula in this crazy universe that I really enjoy. I was not expecting to have this much fun with a big Trouble in Little China property, but yeah, this is great. I think if you want a gritty snake story, this isn't your story, but there's so much fun. When I go to read comics, like, yes, do I read weighty Alan Moore comics? Yeah, I read those, the the more serious stuff. But, you know, when I read a book, I said this before, I typically read nonfiction. I want to learn something. I'll read, like, I love Dostoevsky. Go read Crime and Punishment, Brothers Karamazov. Like, that's typically the weightier, more literary novels. That's what I enjoy reading when it comes to fiction. But I talked about the novelization of Escape from New York. What I loved about that is just how hard-boiled and pulpy it was, because that's a lot of fun. And that's the reason I read a lot of comics because I just I like that aesthetic I love Mike McNola's Hellboy because it's just a pulp comic about a giant devil who is ripping off his horns and fighting ghosts and dragons and demonic stuff that's a lot of fun and so that's the outlet I typically go for with comics is to get that maybe a little bit more juvenile I don't say that in a shaming way but just a little bit more pulpy fun and I think this is that to a T again having the multiverse of snakes show up and all the crazy designs and ideas they come up with this is more of a visual feast than a serious story there's not a serious story here this is about just a bunch of wacky adventures but I'm not going to ding it for that it's extremely entertaining and I think you'll agree with me like this is the best of the comics yeah I'd agree with that hands down you'd set the novelization sort of in a separate category because it's a you know it's a book but out of the comics yeah this beats any of the escape from new york volumes that we read earlier that novelization i think that's great because it actually improves a bit on the movie because you're not limited by a six and a half million dollar budget you can do whatever but definitely out of the comics like this is easily the best would you want more of this would you want to see a sequel you know i mentioned they did freddy versus jason versus ash 2 would you want to see another team up uh, I I think I wanted a one-off. I don't know if lightning's going to strike twice and you're going to have this kind of fun time again. It's almost like a one-premise joke is you take the happy-go-lucky character with the gritty character, put him in a crazy scenario. I don't know. Maybe if they found a way to put Jack Burton more into that escape universe, like maybe that might be fun where his luck and his good attitude don't pay off and he's, I don't know, maybe there's something there. But I am the one on Now Playing. It's weird that I'm a host on Now Playing because I'm like, don't give me sequels. Just give me the one movie. It's perfect. I don't need you to expand on it because you're going to ruin it. That's the way it always goes almost every time. So yeah, I'm always hesitant to ask for a sequel. The only thing they didn't have in this book were the three storms. So I'm sure if they were ever going to do an adventure, they would want to bring those guys back. One thing I should point out is, okay, so I'm reading this on the digital edition and the digital edition has copies of all the covers. The cover art on these is awesome. Oh, they got some great artists. Like I know one, I don't think his style really jives with this, but Mike Allred, his own creation is Madman, a great comic series. And he's done a lot of other stuff too. He's got a cover here. It's always fun to see these artists that have made it in comics. They're probably too expensive to do a whole series, especially for Boom. But yeah, you pay them, you know, a few thousand bucks and get a cover out of them. It's fun to see. It's just one more compliment that I wanted to pay to these creators. Covers are a big deal. I feel like that's what's keeping the single comic market alive is all the varying covers. On the main cover of this book, it's got a quote from Carpenter. It says, I'm loving it, just loving it. And they did talk to Carpenter for this one again. Like I talked about that interview I read with the previous writer who they consulted with Carpenter. Carpenter, again, did consult here. And it's important to point out again, if you're going to read the Boom Studios Old Man Jack series, that's written by Carpenter. I wish that I'd been able to get to that before we did this recording, but I will definitely seek that out. Yeah, I might go back and read those Big Trouble comics now because this 
one was so fun. Maybe too much of a good thing. I don't want to jinx myself, but this one was good. And man, this was the perfect. This is just what I needed. Would you say this was a good escape from the escape comics? Yes, I would. I would say that. I'm glad we got to do this, man. We'll have to find a reason to come back, Jason, and find some more comics to talk about. You know, one of the things we always bemoan with now playing is like, oh, there's a reboot. Let's do this whole franchise. Then the reboot comes out and we're like, oh, we got to end on a bad note. We got to give this a bad review. I'm so glad we're able to go out on a really high note with this series. There was a lot of bumps in the road, a lot of landmines on the bridge. We were trying to dodge, but I think we had a good outcome here with Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in and listening to our reviews. I hope you've had a good time. And for now, you may have escaped John Carpenter. But remember, there is no escape from Books and Nachos. Thank you for listening to this episode of Books and Nachos. You can also find many more book reviews at our website, booksandnachos.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word about our podcast by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Books and Nachos is a crowdsourced podcast with no sponsors or ads. You can support our show by pledging to our Podbean campaign at booksandnachos.com support. The music for Books and Nachos is The Right Prescription by Chai Weapon, provided by podsafeaudio.com. Books and Nachos is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2020, all rights reserved, and no part of the show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated.